Welcome to the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. I'm Christina Simmons, your host, and thanks for joining me today as I seek to inspire, encourage, and accompany you on the journey towards holiness by sharing food for the head, heart, hands, and feet, all so we may grow closer to God, become more like Jesus, and through friendship, discover the life God created us for, lives of purpose, peace, and abundance, rooted in the hope that with God's grace and mercy, we can become the living, breathing, wonder-working saints that the world so desperately needs today. Hello, and welcome to episode 88 of the Say Yes to Holiness podcast. This podcast is a one-on-one conversation with Rhonda Grunewald. She's a former teacher, but she's most primarily the founder of Vocation Ministry, and she is really seeking to help foster a culture of vocations in the Catholic Church, and um, she and I really have uh, similar passions because I absolutely know and believe and am passionate myself about truly fostering a culture of vocations in our world today. And so often, so many times, people misunderstand vocation, and we talk about that as well as how it is that we can be intentional about cultivating vocations, not just in our own immediate family, but within our neighborhoods, within our parishes, and within our workplaces, so that everyone is able to become exactly who it is that God created them to be. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation and talk to you on the flip side. Hello, this is Christina Simmons with the Say Yes to Holiness podcast, and thank you so much for joining me today. I have a very special guest with me, and our conversation is going to be revolving around something that is near and dear to my heart, which is vocations. And I am so pleased to be able to welcome Rhonda Grunewald to the podcast. And Rhonda, go ahead and tell people where you're coming in from. So I am born and raised in Houston, Texas. So um don't have as much of a Texas accent as people expect me to have, but I've been here most of my life. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, so uh, have been down to uh, Houston uh, a couple of times. Unfortunately, most of the time it's just flying in and out of Houston um, and not been uh, to the city too much. But uh, I know that it is a beautiful city. Um, and uh, so I'm glad that you are able to call it home uh, and uh, have had that uh, for you. Um, one of the biggest things uh, we were talking before uh, we got going today was the fact that I feel like we've known each other forever uh, because of my own work in vocations and, and your work in vocations. But before we kind of get to that, you know, share a little bit about your story and kind of how you came to where you are today, if you would. Sure. So um, I'm a convert. I grew up with no faith whatsoever. My dad didn't want the Bible read in the house, so it wasn't. My mom was Methodist. We went to church a handful of times, and I had no connection to God or Jesus. Mm. They divorced when I'm 12, and then I go to the University of Texas in Austin and then start teaching English and coaching speech and debate at a large public high school. And then I am baptized into the Methodist church at age 25. So good news about that. Got rid of a lot of sin because college happened. And um, then, then we had, I met my husband now 24 years, a year later, 
And he was just Catholic enough to say, I can't get married over there. Like we're going to, we're gonna, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen in the Catholic church. Yeah. And I was, I mean, which took a lot of, now what I now know is discernment from me to, to be open to that because growing up in such dysfunction in faith life with my own family, I surely didn't want that to happen to my children. So when I was going to say yes to marrying in the Catholic church, I knew that I was saying yes to bringing my children up Catholic. And so that meant I needed to be Catholic. And so we got married in the Catholic church and then we find a parish home. Now I start RCIA. I'm also pregnant with our, our daughter. And um, instead of coming in the church at the Easter vigil, I gave birth that night, 1999. Wow. <laughs> I know. So, uh, so then she was baptized and I was confirmed June 13th, 1999. Fast forward to 2011, I'd been steeping myself. There was going from nothing to Catholicism. I mean, really, even though I was baptized in the Methodist church the year before, there, was, there wasn't like a huge faith life going on for me. So I feel like I really went from like zero to 100 miles per hour very quickly and um, started formation in reading John Pont's two's encyclicals on the family and Mary and mm -hmm. uh, what it meant to be a Catholic mother and wife, right. which was huge for me when you think of how I grew up, right? I mean, I anyway, it was, it was good. I needed that formation. And then in 2011, uh, we had a brand new priest, Father Victor Perez, and he called out of the blue one day and said, can you come to a meeting about priests and such up at church in three hours? And uh, my confession though, is I had no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> like no clue of what the word vocation meant 10 years ago. Right. And, um, but he was convicted. This is one of the most important things we could do in our parish is to promote priesthood, religious life, and sacramental marriage. And every parish is supposed to be doing this. So I took that message to go, okay, well, oh, wow, then obviously I should be doing this and I should be helping you. So I go home and Google what's a vocation. And think, <laughs> committee. No, it's, that's really what happened. And par if I put parish vocation committee into the search engine, I expected there to be a guy dropping out of the internet for me. Right. Because the, the church is old, even though I'm new to the church, the church is old. And they, if everybody's supposed to be doing this, why isn't there something to tell me how to do this? Right. Whatever. We just let the Holy Spirit guide us. We started praying and promoting vocations any way we could at our parish. We started adoration for vocations. We um, started getting encounters happening between sisters, seminarians and priests in the school and catechism classes. We played pin the miter on the Bishop of the Parish Festival. Like we were having good time. So then... Two years into that, the Archdiocese said, how can we do that all over Houston? And I said, well, maybe I could write a pamphlet. It was going to be a pamphlet, a little trifold, how to have a parish vocation committee. Mm -hmm. But 17 yep. months later, that was hundredfold, a guide to parish exactly. vocation ministry. The A to Z on everything I wish I would have known in 2011. <laughs> all the very mm -hmm. practical things. How do you have a meeting? You know, how do you have a budget? What, what do you, what should you focus on first and why in all the activities to go along with it? Right. And so then launch vocationministry.com, which is the, the website to go to, to download the resources mm -hmm. to do the work. Um, so if you like an idea in hundredfold, then you would go to the website and you would download the, the resource, put your parish name on it and go. So mm -hmm. I was, I, and I thought at this point, Christina, I'm done. Yeah, I did it. I'm done. Yep. 
I'm, I, don't, I, I did what I was supposed to do. The Lord asked. It is all good. Then I go to a vocation director's conference, which every diocese has a priest who's a vocation director. And I go to the conference to tell, tell them about hundredfold in hopes that they might buy it for their parishes. Well, what I was not prepared for was their reaction of, oh, oh, I know about this book. I've read it. It's so good. Can you come speak to our priests? Can you come speak to our parishioners? And I was right. like, um, wait a minute. Did you read about my being a convert? Because we can't talk to priests. That's a rule. <laughs> like there's a rule there that only priests talk to priests, right? And they're like, no, you're the one. You need to come and teach our priests and parishioners how to do this. So pretty much this since 2011, and my big yes in that room with Father Victor has turned into so many yeses. Um, I have given all those yeses to traveling the country and giving workshops, and we just gave our 100th workshop in our 48th diocese in five and a half years. Congrats. Thank you. Um, yeah, never would I have thought any of this would be, uh, first of all, I didn't know it was needed. Like I knew that in my parish experience, we had a deficit of materials. I didn't realize it was a church-wide deficit. Yep. That's what I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. um, and so God's kind of just been leading me there, you know, slowly with all those yeses. And so then COVID happened and right. I wasn't able to travel. And um, so my prayer, my prayer is always each day, okay, Holy Spirit, just use me how you need me, right? Well, my prayer kind of shifted to go, okay, look, Holy Spirit, I know you're still calling men and women to say yes. So let me be productive during this downtime so that at the end of it, I have something to show for it, mm -hmm. like that we have done something. So not only did we start doing virtual event, events for discerners and hundreds and hundreds of discerners go to, you know, join in and see what it's like in a convent or a religious house for men. And, um, but I started interviewing teachers campus ministers, catechists, homeschool moms, uh, to say, what are they doing for vocations? What could they do? Could they imagine this? What could be impactful for them? Mm -hmm. And then I, do some, I did something that I don't recommend. I started wrestling with the Holy Spirit. No, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lose. <laughs> I know, I know. And I should have known by now, right? Like, and now you've heard my story. You should know. I should have known I wasn't going to win this because I did not want to write another book. Mm -hmm. It kept coming to me that that's what I was supposed to do. But after my experience of hundredfold, I was like, oh, I don't know. I really want to write another book. <laughs> I don't want to write another book. It's a lot of work and uh, yeah. eight and 10 hours a day for months at a time. Anyway, so, so I finally gave in and surrendered. Started writing the book October 7th of 2020, and my COVID baby was born, The Harvest, A Guide to Vocation, Ministry, and Education. I don't have to burp it, mm -hmm. but um, it's still a COVID baby nonetheless. And so, yeah. uh, so I'm so, I am excited that the resource is now done and ready for teachers, catechists, all, any educational setting can use to create a culture of vocations at their at, in their realm, whatever that looks okay. like. Um, there are 75 activities uh, for, for, and they're in phases so that if nothing's happening, you're starting in phase one with very simple things, but impactful things that need to happen to lay a strong foundation mm -hmm. for the work. 
to take root. Because right now, this is what's happening. We know because year after year, 75% of the newly ordained say they first heard the call between birth and 18 years of age. Mm -hmm. Like it's a large number. And what's happening, and then it's not nurtured. They never hear the word. They never hear their priest talking about it. Um, their parents probably aren't supportive. Mm -hmm. um, and it goes out the, the other ear and it's not thought of again, maybe ever. We have a lot of lost vocations walking around is what oh, has Amen. Amen. And some end up getting married. Great. Some end up staying single way too long because they, they haven't, they haven't truly discerned what God is calling them to. Right. Um, so what I want to happen, my desire of my heart is for that to be, to be normal in every setting that a family intersects faith. It's normal to think about priesthood, religious life, and that marriage is a vocation to know that and to understand it should be discerned, that it's, it's not something just to fall into. So there's a, a there's so much that has to happen for that outcome, because right now the Holy Spirit, he's still calling all the time, like like he's planting seeds. But the soil is so rocky in most of our, dare I say, Catholic schools. Right. Oh, yeah. That it's not they don't have a very strong Catholic identity. Um, and we need to uh, proclaim and reclaim that. Mm -hmm. in such a big way in a catechism all the way through um, so that the Holy Spirit has plenty of opportunities to plant seeds. Oh, amen, sister. Amen. Um, and uh, so um, vocation, you know, as I was saying before, is, is near and dear to my heart. Um, and so um, for a long time, because my background, you know, as many people who listen to podcasts are aware my background, you know, was uh, coming from, you know, a Jesuit school where I, you know, Marquette University, I became Catholic there. Um, and then it was all about, hey, you know, greater glory, God, what, what is it that I can do? And, you know, and of course, my own personal dysfunction and my own personal concupiscence and sinfulness and everything, you know, had me going down wrong paths, you know, um, but the fact was, is that you know, still, he always would uh, be saying, okay, this is where you need to be, etc. Um, and it was on the, gee, do I get married, religious life, that, that, that was never part of the discussion of the questions. And you're absolutely right of that. It needs to be a part of just what we do and who we are. And so over the course of, you know, my more than 30 years now of, of being uh, Catholic, is that and talk about in my book is that the whole idea of all of us are called to a unique and unrepeatable, you know, vocation. And there's three layers to it because for a long time I struggled to understand, okay, we have a vocation to sanctity and I have a vocation to marriage and yet I have a personal mission. How does it all work? And I was, and so finally it was like, okay, there's three layers to this first layer called the holiness. Everybody has to be a saint. Now, that state of life, that's the particular path that we're going to walk as we are on the way to holiness. And then the personal mission is what we're doing in the midst of that state of life as we're becoming the same. So that's where you have all the divergences of who all of each of us are. Um, and But when you talk with people about vocation at all, they think it's only about 
if I'm going to become a priest or a sister. They don't think it has anything to do with my life now. And they think it's a one and done of where it's like, no, discernment is constant. Discernment is constant. And your vocation is happening right now because everything like you experienced and you just shared in your story so beautifully about the fact of God was preparing you to do your second book when you're doing your first book. You didn't want to hear that. But that, that's what he was doing, just like he did the same thing to me. So I'm in the process of writing a second book, you know, as well. And it's something of where it's like, I don't want to, but this is what the spirit does. And so the fact that you saw the need, you were willing to say yes, amen, praise God, thank you for your courage and your willingness to do that. And if there is a place that is so desperately needed more than our parishes, it is our Catholic schools. Um, and so we don't have a Catholic school in our area, but what we are looking to do um, and we are doing within our community is that vocations is becoming a part of just what we do because we're seeking to accompany people. We're looking to accompany individuals and families go deep with them to help them be able to create exactly what you're talking about, you know, creating that, that culture of vocation. Um, so you talked about phase one. Talk just a little bit. I thought it was so brilliant of how you've done that. Um, you know, talking about the different phases. And so if you would just expand on that a little bit, because sometimes people are like, oh, we have some stuff. Oh, we're already doing stuff. And they don't realize, no, you're just kind of on the path here. You know, you still have more that you can do. Well, I, it, first of all, I think it's, it's, uh, 400-fold for the harvest, it's all about intentionality, mm -hmm. is that bringing about, saying this, we're going to be intentional about promoting vocations, because mm -hmm. I had run into parishes all the time and be like, oh, yeah, well, we have the traveling chalice, oh, yeah, we have this other, we pray, we pray, why? but there yeah. was, there was no, like, there was no, like, why are, yeah, why are we doing it, and how can we be more intentional about all of these things, sprinkling in vocations wherever we are, right? Mm -hmm. And what we found is that in our, in the dioceses where we've given workshops, we've gone from like Stockton, California went from zero, they had zero seminarians and zero discerners in 2019. Mm -hmm. They had just ordained their last guys. They have then no one. Mm -hmm. So we gave workshops to priests and then parishioners and then 22 months later, they have seven seminarians and they have six men in their house of discernment and they have more in the pipeline. Mm. Ogdensburg, New York went from three to 18 seminarians in four years. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the teams, they call them vocation ministry teams that they put in place in the parishes. So, right. so we know it works. So mm -hmm. if that's the case, and uh, I know when I was doing this work, I was just trying to figure it all out. And I, 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 and I knew that when I was, when I would try to do something big in the beginning, <laughs> get, they get burned out too easily. You lose volunteers. Right. Um, and I felt like, gosh, if we, we hadn't heard vocation, the word vocation or anything about discernment or anything for five years, it, the parish vocation committee had been dormant. Right. So shouldn't we probably you know, put this house on some very firm rock, yeah. not, not sifting sand here. And right. so those phase one activities like 
prayer, getting everybody oh, yeah. to understand why they're praying and getting them to pray, getting items into the church book rack or in the reading in the reading area in each classroom mm -hmm. um, and into the bulletin, into the prayers of the faithful, into the school announcement each day mm -hmm. in different ways, talking about the, the there's a vocation calendar of right. about eight to 10 days, depending on the environment that we promote vocations. Right. So we should make sure that that is put out there intentionally to whatever environment we're in. And then we get to phase two. Okay, well, once you get to phase two, that's probably six, eight months down the road. Um, that means that you can get deeper into things. You can get go, um, you, your activities may, may cost a little bit more. Um, it, it, you may be seeing more school-wide. It's like if we're talking school, you'd be seeing school-wide right. activities. Mm -hmm. um, such as having a booth at the, at field day, right. Or vocations. And you have the priest and sister cut out, mm -hmm. you know, like not rocket science, not, but we are trying to find ways to put vocations onto what's already happening. For example, fourth grade, fourth grade, my kids, fourth grade, every fourth grade did a wax museum. They, they've picked a, a historical figure, figure and they researched um, that person and then they dressed up as them. And then they yep. we went to the auditorium, all the parents came, we pushed a fake button and then they would say, hi, my son was Elvis. Hi, I'm Elvis Presley. <laughs> and he would give a like, couple of paragraphs that he had memorized about his, well, right. why are we doing that with the saints? Right. I mean, I really think the saints need to play more of a role in all of this. We, they used to be a huge part of Catholic culture and we're not talking about them anymore. And, and, and we need to show our young people that they, um, there are those who have gone before us who've actually done this and battled serious things and have still come out on the other end, um, mm -hmm. a saint. And we're called to do that too. So we need to put them in front of them in different, all kinds of different ways. Um, there's a phase three and phase four. And some of this, is, it's going to look different in, for example, kindergarten. It's going to look very different than in high school. <laughs> but if we feel like to have a, a culture of vocations would mean that at the end of high school, there, there's a signing day, but not for athletics. Right. There's one for those going in the seminary. Mm -hmm. Those going into religious formation, mm -hmm. um, there's a signing day. Well, to get to that signing day, so much needs to happen before yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Amen. All the practice, all the daily prayer, all the, um, you know, coming frequently to the sacraments, all of the daily resolutions to help grow in virtue, the understanding of having a, you know, all the heavenly assistance as well as the earthly assistance you know, throughout, I mean, um, you know, that, that's a, such a big piece, you know, you're talking about the saints and, um, the role of the saints is so profound. It's, it's not even, you know, funny to think about how profound their role is. And yet we forget to invite them in. Uh, and, uh, you know, same thing with the angelic realm, um, you know, the guardian angels, the archangels, they're, they're ready and willing uh, to, to battle for us, to 
be able to have hearts be open, you know, to listen uh, and to uh, for, for people to be protected as they do discern, because Satan just loves to roll out all the challenges when, when someone becomes serious, doesn't he? Um, so, yeah, and we don't have sisters in our classrooms as much anymore, yeah. as we very well know, um, So or teaching catechism or what have you. So um, I say we've got to invite them in for young women to see them. So yes. I, I don't know if you know, but there's a community is the uh, the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration mm. um, in Indiana, and they they videotape sisters in their full habit reading children's books. Oh, wow. To kids. So um, it's it's amazing. I've got that link at vocationministry.com under reading materials because I've got a list of age appropriate reading materials that are good for for mm -hmm. vocations. And um, that's that's where you'll find that. But anyway, I, I just think that we've got to have the encounter. If, mm -hmm. we, if we don't have that physical encounter, then how can the young, you know, kindergartner think that she may ever want to be a sister? If she never sees a sister. Right. Yeah, so, you can't envision something you've never seen. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. So so we need to put videos out there. If they if they aren't around you, then you bring them in through technology. Let's we've got to do it. Yeah. Well, you, you brought up some beautiful examples, um, you know, that are at the website. Tell, tell us a little bit more about what is there and how people can, you know, track all of this stuff down. Okay. So if they go to the website, but if they're in a parish setting and they want to start to get to work, they go, click on parish and then it's going to, they'll see phase one, two, three, four, and all the activities and resources there. And if they're in an educational setting, they click on education, same thing, phase one, two, three, four. Um, there are also, if you look under resources, there are resources for families on what they can do, not only in parish, but in their own home to uh, promote vocations. And uh, they are going to find a shop there that they can buy the books. They can buy, I've got pray for vocations bears. I've got a nun bear, Dominican nun bear. Um, there are t-shirts that say one, pre one priest can change the world, uh, just anything that they would need. Uh, one of my favorites is a book called Beckett wants to be a priest. And yeah. it's about a six-year-old boy. And he knew for certain that God was calling to be a priest. And it was, it's written from that age level of kid. It's a, a very age appropriate, five to eight years of age, great pictures, and um, I know Beckett personally, and he's 11 now and still wants to be a priest. So, um, you know, and they're out there. I think yeah. so many people don't realize how many God, people God is really calling them to answer. Now, not all of them are going to answer that call. Right. But supposedly the latest study was of, of families on uh, go, going to mass on a regular basis that 30% of their kids have thought about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and you 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 bring up such an important point. Everyone is bewailing quote the lack of you know vocations to priesthood and religious life, and I I have always argued just as you've already pointed out the fact that it's not that God hasn't already called these people. It's that they have missed the call. It's like the phone rang and they didn't get there or they picked it up and it was garbled and they couldn't understand what was being said or, you know, or they, they heard it and then the phone dropped and that that's all the different versions of the soil um, and you know, that you were bringing up. So it's a beautiful analogy. And I think it's so important, particularly for us as adults, two things. One, if we are parents, 
for us to be making it normal for us to talk about the fact of, you know, hey, you know, you need to be listening to what God is saying. So are you praying daily? You know, we as a family need to be praying daily. Uh, we need to be, you know, praying for our priests and our religious sisters, those who we know, um, and different communities that, that we, we might know about. But we need to be doing those things. But then also as an adult within our parishes and if you know, within our schools. So as a parent in a school, for example, to encourage and to you know, recognize those young people who, you know, so like if uh, when I was at our, our other parish, we had a school mass and I'm at the school mass. And so when I would see a very prayerful young man or young lady, I would always make it a point to go to them after and just say, thank you so much for your witness. And they kind of do this, what? And, and I'd say, thank you for your witness of prayerfully listening to God throughout the mass today. And I hope that he has a special message for you. In fact, I'll be praying for you and your vocation, whatever that might be. And, you know, sometimes it became a, a longer conversation, but it was just something of where for them to recognize God is speaking to you right now. Um, and, but as adults in the parish, you know, that, that's one of the biggest things that we can do is that encouragement for young people to be intentional about their prayer and asking, Lord, what do you desire for my life? You know, um, so, but yeah, thank you so much for all of what you have done, your, all of your yeses. Um, I, I'm super excited to see the fruit that will come, and I know it will come, uh, not just from uh, The Harvest, this latest book, A Guide to Vocation, Ministry, and Education. Thank you so much for my copy. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm already uh, tabbing uh, pages, um, you know, for different things, but then also for a hundredfold, because you're, you're right, your, your story about the fact that I'm, I'm Googling parish vocation ministry committee, and I'm expecting that I'm going to see, and there's nothing, there's not a nothing. And it's, it's absolutely shocking at times, but you know, when we come across those things, but that's when the Holy spirit, and this is for everybody listening, when you come across a great need in the world and you're passionate about it, that is your personal vocation. This is God going, this is where I want you to be. There's a reason why I brought, brought this to your attention and you need to do something about it. So thank you for your saying yes, you know, Rhonda, it, it, it's, a, it, it's such a beautiful thing to see other people, you know, saying yes. And that's what Say Yes to Holiness is all about, is helping people be able to do that. Um, and so it, it's been great uh, having conversation with you today. But any, any final words, anything, um, you know, uh, so paint uh, uh, your hope, what your, your, your desire that this, what the fruit might look like in, oh, let's say five years or 10 years uh, that you hope, you know, what, what will be going on? Well, I'm, I, since when I started about 10 to 20% of parishes nationwide did anything for vocations, mm -hmm. 10 to 20% in, in any diocese. And I really found that to be true when I would give a workshop um, they had 50 parishes, five would be doing anything. Now I'm talking that could just be saying a prayer once a week, right. right? You know, so I'm not saying they were doing all that we had hoped they were doing. So, um, but we found that in, if you move the needle just a little bit, the growth could be huge. Right. So, so my hope is that nationwide that we are moving the needle to getting closer to 40% of parishes promoting vocations. And now you add Catholic schools, 
let's get them moving. Let's get them moving right now. I don't have a feel for even how many of them are actually promoting vocations. I wouldn't think it's very many at all. Mm -hmm. um, they, they might be doing some things here and there, but not intentional like I'm talking about. Right. Um, so, so my hope is that more and more yeses will come from all of that, you know, especially as we're focusing on schools, that means it's going to be years before we see that fruit mm -hmm. and that's okay. We've got to be okay with that. And we don't worry about that. That's not our job. Yep. That's a Holy Spirit's job. Mm -hmm. We just get the soil ready. Exactly. Wherever we are. So, um, I would ask everybody to be praying for vocations on a daily basis mm -hmm. and let's get moving. Amen. Amen. Uh, it, it's been such a pleasure, Rhonda. Um, I so enjoyed our conversation. And everyone out there, I hope that you have as well. If anything, I hope that you will pray for vocations, not just for someone else's vocation, but for your own, as well as for all those whom you encounter, your children, your aunts, your uncles, that everyone is pursuing the vocation that God desires for them and for you to say yes to it because that's what we do uh, is we say yes and then the holy spirit takes care of it so continue to do whatever it takes so that together we can tell the master of death not today have a blessed day god bless so what might be some resolutions that you can take from the conversation i had with Rhonda today well one of the first and foremost things that you can be doing is praying. And I know that this is said a lot, pray for vocations, pray for vocations. But the fact is, is that that's where it's got to start. Why? Because we have to transform our minds and hearts as well as those whom we are asking God to open their hearts and minds to however it is that he desires to work in their hearts. So number one is to pray. Number two is to invite, invite others to be intentional about discerning their vocation. And your vocation, of course, is that call to holiness and your state of life and your personal mission. So inviting people to be intentional about discerning how it is that God is calling them to live out their vocation. And finally, if you're involved in a parish and this is on your heart, Go and check out vocationministry.com and look at all the resources that are there to help you be able to establish a vocation ministry team either in your parish or within your school or anywhere that you're able to come together to truly cultivate a culture of vocations. Christina Simmons from Say Yes to Holiness here. So are you enjoying the podcast? And are you enjoying the food for the head, heart, hands, and feet that I've been sharing with you? Would you like to know whether or not there's something within the Say Yes community that might be of help to you to be able to get some clarity on what it is that you're supposed to be doing right now, or perhaps to be able to help you build sustainable habits in your life, especially for your spiritual life. If any of these things are of interest to you, then make sure to schedule a connect call with me. No obligation, completely free, just 15 minutes to get to know one another a little bit and see whether or not it is that I might be able to help you. Because there's nothing that makes my day more than to be able to help someone figure out 
what it is that God desires for them. So make sure to reach out and connect with me today. You can do that by simply going to the Say Yes to Holiness website, www.sayyestoholiness.com. God bless. Thanks again for spending time with me today. If you have any suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please leave me a voicemail using the link in the podcast show notes or message me through the Say Yes to Holiness Facebook page at Say Yes to Holiness through my website at www.sayyestoholiness.com or send an email directly to me at christinasimmons at gmail.com. I look forward to the opportunity to continue the conversation we have begun here. In the interim, please know my continued prayers for you and your loved ones, especially that each of us may continue to strive to do whatever it takes in order to grow in holiness as we continue to tell the Master of Death, not today. I look forward to having a conversation again with you soon.